0: You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Tonight, if you'll raise your hand, anybody at all this evening? All right. How about a pen? All right. There we go. We have a taker right back over here as well. Ephesians chapter number four this evening, we're going to look down at some scripture here, and I want to speak this evening on wisdom against the wiles of the devil. Now, as you're turning to Ephesians chapter four, I wanted to mention this as well during the prayer time, but I forgot that uh, on friend day, we had, oh boy, I'm trying to remember now, I think 50 more people in church than we've had since covid and so that was good to see, a good crowd here on Sunday morning. And then I also want to have you be in prayer, if you would, please. Um, years ago, when we did Trunk and Treat instead of the uh, country fair, we had a couple come to our church, and they, um, they, 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 they got saved through that. Their name was Michael and Sarah Martinez, and uh, they came to our church and, uh, and got saved, and then, uh, but I just got a text recently from Sarah saying that uh, Michael passed away. He's a younger guy. He was probably in his late 40s, early 50s. So, if you could remember to be in prayer for Michael, for Sarah Martinez and her family as they go through that, um, that's that's a, a tragedy there. So, we're trying to reach out and see what we can do for them. So, if you'll be in prayer, that would be great. Ephesians chapter number four. Wisdom against the wiles of the devil. So let's look down here at chapter 4, verse number 27. The Bible says there, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Good. Look at chapter 6. if We're going to use our Bibles tonight and look at several scriptures here. Chapter 6 of Ephesians and... Um, I want us to see tonight that the devil works in certain ways, and we need to be wise as to what he is trying to do and how he normally does things. And so, I want to give us a little insight tonight on that, hopefully, be a help to you. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice this verse, put on the whole armor of God, we always, we talk about the whole armor of God a lot, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I'd like to explain some of what that's talking about, give you some thoughts this evening, be a help, but let's pray together as we get started. Father, I pray for your help tonight. I pray for your strengthening. I pray for your spirit to be working in our midst this evening. I pray that you would give us insight into some things that we need in the spiritual warfare that we're in. I pray that you'd give us victory tonight, and may uh, uh, may the lights come on in our lives in some ways to spot, oh, this is why this is happening, and and give us better ways to battle and have victory. And so, Lord, may you just do your work this evening, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, write some things in here tonight as we look at some scripture. What does the word wiles mean? So if we say the wiles of the devil, we're talking about the schemes of the devil. We would say schemes, that's the word there, or strategy. So the devil is strategizing. The devil's got some schemes. Uh, and by the way, that description of the devil is consistent throughout the Bible. He is a schemer. He is slippery. He is devious. He is subtle. He's conniving. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. What he does is, is very, it's, I mean, it's, it is the epitome of evil and wickedness. He's known as the wicked one. But he's very subtle he's very sneaky and so he's got the schemes he's got the strategies and and here's the great thing though even though he can manipulate us at times the great truth is that he can never manipulate god and he may have the wiles and the schemes and the strategies but that doesn't mean he has the control god is in control and god knows what he's doing and so we can have we have access to that wisdom of god to avoid those pitfalls which is a great thing to know And so we're looking at tonight the schemes and strategies here. Take your Bible, go if you would to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Go back a couple books, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So we're looking at several scripture passages as we get started here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says here, Paul writing, again Paul wrote Ephesians, Paul wrote Corinthians here and most of the scriptures we're looking at tonight except for Genesis, Paul wrote, and he wrote a lot about Satan. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. I'm going to explain what this means in just a second. Then he says in verse 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, the context of what Paul is writing here is is the context of the forgiveness of someone who had sinned against, who had sinned publicly and, and kind of against the church there, and had been punished by the church for that open sin. Paul forgave that person, and because of the repentance, asked that person, asked the church to forgive that person lest Satan get an advantage over them. What's that talking about? An advantage. How would Satan get an advantage? What's the word advantage mean? The word advantage, if you want to write it, it means to be exploited. Really, it means to take advantage of. So he's saying, hey, I want you to forgive, and I want you to restore, and I want you to move on, because we don't want Satan exploiting and taking advantage of you. And then he says this, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Again, the word devices is similar to Wiles. It means designs or schemes. Designs or schemes. So Paul's saying, look, we know, we know how he is. And we know what he wants to do. Let's not let him do it in our church. That's what he's saying. Uh, we, we know what the devil does. We know what he wants to do. Let's not let him do it in the church. And can I just say tonight? Look, we know what the devil wants to do. We know the devil wants to cause division. We know the devil does not want unity because it says in the Bible how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, Psalm one thirty three one. We we know that God wants unity. We know that God wants uh, uh, brothers to love uh, uh, brothers and sisters to love brothers and sisters in Christ. So if we know what He wants to do, let's not let Him do it in our church. Amen. Okay, let's, let's not let him do it in our church. Let's not let him take advantage of us. How do we do that? By being ignorant of his devices, by being ignorant of what he wants to do. And, and, and sometimes, look, I'm not a guy that thinks there's a demon in every bush, okay? But I will tell you that we are ignorant of spiritual warfare so often. We, we, are, we are not aware of it or we don't pay heed to it like we should. And there is spiritual warfare there's a lot of it going on. And so let's not be ignorant. Look at 2 Corinthians. You're in that book there. Go to chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verses 1 through 3 here. Paul's still writing to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Here's what the Bible says. Would to God ye could bear with me in a, a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, again, there is, we we think jealousy is all bad. There is a godly jealousy. Envy and jealousy are not the same thing. Jealousy means I have something and I don't want to lose it. I don't want to, you know, it's something, you know, your spouse, you're allowed to be jealous over your spouse. God has given you that spouse. You're not. You know, someone stealing that spouse or that, you're allowed to, to be jealous, okay, of that. It's a different thing than being envious, wanting something that's not yours. Jealousy is something that is, you know. So there's a difference there. And God says, hey, you're my people. Why are you going after other gods? God is jealous over that, okay? So, and understand that's what he's saying there. Verse three, but I fear less by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. People want to complicate things so much in the gospel, uh, in the gospel message. It's really not that complicated. And what people want as they get more education is, is they get more wisdom and they lose the truth and the simplicity of the gospel message. But Paul is saying here, look, I, I care for you as a church because I was there, I, I, I was starting this church, and i'm trying to present you to christ and now you're giving heed to these false teachers you're listening to people you shouldn't listen to and you're going to be beguiled you're going to be tricked by the devil and he says so don't don't do that look at chapter uh, look at the same chapter verse 13 the same chapter verse 13 he says for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostle of christ there are some people that claim oh i know christ and we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago on sunday morning about false prophets and and they'll proclaim that they know god and and but they're really they're they're snakes they're they're wool they're wolves and sheep's clothing there we go verse 14 and no marvel for satan himself is transformed into an angel of light we think of Satan as you know, got the red jumpsuit and got the little horns and the and the pitchfork and the tail with the spade at the end. But the Bible describes a beautiful creature, a beautiful creature. Read it in in, in Scripture, you'll see it there. In uh, in Isaiah fourteen and, and um, uh, I think it's Ezekiel twenty eight. It's it, it, it's he was an angelic being and beautiful in his creation, and he thought too highly of himself. That's what happened there. And uh, But he comes in the form of, of something beautiful. Even in the garden, when he came, he came in the form of something subtle and beautiful. And uh, as, that's how he works. We see this over and again in Scripture, that he is tricky. Go if you would. We're going to go two more places here. First Timothy. Go, go to the right, past the epistles there of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and 2 Thessalonians, then 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3 verses 6 and 7. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Now this is talking about the qualifications of pastors and deacons. But notice something that it says, it gives a characteristic of the devil in here in chapter 3, verse 6. Talking about uh, uh, the the bishop here, the pastor, uh, verse 6, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil moreover he must have a good report of them which are without lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil in second 2 timothy 226 the bible says and they that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive of him at his will so the devil's not you know the big giant coming through crushing people he's the one setting the trap for you at work this week He's the one setting the trap for you late at night on your cell phone. He's the one setting the trap for you with that coworker. He he's the one that's scheming. That's conniving. That's got the wiles, the trickery. Okay, and the Bible says, hey, be, be strong in the Lord, the power of his mind, and, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. And then it talks about, we read the verse there about, uh, that we ought not to be ignorant of the, the devices of the devil. So let's open our eyes to this tonight. We, we cannot be ignorant of this. On your sheet there, we understand that the devil is out to hurt God, and, and, and hurt what God loves most, mankind. How does the devil going to hurt God? He's going to hurt what God loves, us. He'll destroy somebody's life, not care one bit about it because he doesn't care. There's, there's, no, there's no good, there's no truth in him. There's nothing redeemable in the devil's uh, uh, character. He is the, he is the worst of the the evil, most wicked thing that can be imagined. He's the personification of it. And, 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 and we have to realize that he does not care about you at all he'll chew up your life and spit it out and move on to the next one that's all he wants to do so he's trying to hurt God so let's not be ignorant of his devices let's not have our heads in the sand and just think that oh you know what the world offers there's nothing wrong with any of that you don't think that there's some some lures in there you don't think he's trying to get us in some way and so if we're going to look at his goals and his strategies what I want to do is this. I want to go back to the beginning I want to go back to the beginning I want to show you in Genesis chapter 3 and give you some instruction tonight about some goals and strategy of the devil. Go to Genesis chapter 3 if you would. Genesis chapter 3. Now, I'm going to check that clock against my cell phone. Okay, it's good. Last week, it was 15 minutes slow, and I caught it right at 8.05 because I was thinking, man, I've been preaching a long time, and I could tell you thought that too. And so I looked at my clock, and I was like, oh, so I wanted to make sure I don't get you out late, okay? Okay. Now, Genesis chapter number three, famous, famous story. Most people in the world have probably heard, at least in America, have heard the the Adam and Eve story. But that's what we're looking at because this is where we're introduced to the devil. This is where we're introduced to Satan and his wiles and devices. Now, tonight, I'm not going to pretend to be smarter than the devil. I'm not smarter than him. Uh, He's been around for a lot longer than me and you. And I will not pretend to be able to tell you all of his plans and schemes and all of that. I'm not going to try to play chess with him in that way. But uh, we can see some patterns and goals here. And the great thing is, I don't have to be stronger because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So thank God for that. I don't have to be the big guy. I just got to be on the side of the big guy. You know what I mean? And uh, thankfully, that uh, I'm on God's team. So that's the wonderful thing about it. Genesis chapter 3. Let's read the first six verses. Now the serpent was more subtle, there is the description right there of the devil, more subtle than any beast of the field, more sneaky, more conniving, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Hey, Eve, did God really say you can't eat of any of these beautiful trees? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now she added that last part, but uh, she cannot eat of the fruit. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know. Now, so if he has the answers, why is he asking the question? Right? He's just He's manipulating Eve. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil, appealing to the pride. You can see in this passage the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life all through here. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. There it is, Those of the flesh, those the eyes, pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So this is the, the start. This is the starting point, right? This is where uh, we, we see the devil coming in and trickery and using the serpent uh, and, and speaking through that animal in this way. And I want you to see tonight some of the wiles Some of the things the devil is going to try to get you to do. Some of the things the devil is going to try to do to you. And to be honest with you, he has done them. And he is continually doing them. And he has a whole world system built around doing this. And he's also got our flesh on his side too. Because our flesh wants all that stuff. And so tonight, this is something that we need to go through. And and I pray to God every day that God would help me to identify the lies that I'm believing and squash them and, 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 and destroy them with the truth. Because we all believe lies. To some point, I don't believe any lies, Pastor. You just did. We, we believe lies. And so I want to make sure that I am constantly going through in my life and saying, God, what lies am I believing? Help me to destroy those. I don't want to live that way. Okay, so here it is. Number one, what's the devil going to try to do to you? He will try to distort our view. He will try to distort our view. The devil does not want us to see things how God sees them. He does not want that. He does not want you to see things the way that God sees them. I uh, have Photoshop on my computer. I've had it for years, and it's self-taught. I'm not great at it, but if you don't know Photoshop, it's, it's manipulation uh, for the graphic design. You can manipulate photos and, and change them to be whatever you want. And so several years ago, my kids got a kick out of it because I, I took pictures of all of them, and at the time we only had three. It was in our old apartment, and Titus, Oli, Silas, and they said, Dad, Photoshop something. And so I took their pictures, and the first one I took, and I put like a bear behind them. Like a bear was about to eat the kid. The kid's sitting there smiling. There's like a bear coming up behind him, you know. And then the next one I took and did like a crocodile. And then one I took King Kong was coming up about to hit one of them in the back, you know. And it was just kind of a funny thing they loved that. But they especially loved, and I still have those pictures too, by the way. And what they especially loved that there are some tools on Photoshop where you can distort the image. You can click a button on a person's face, and it makes it look like a pinwheel. You know, they kind of have that on Apple, you know, on like the photo booth stuff. You can do that. You can make their eyes bug out real big, you know, just comically. Just just mess with the view and distort them quite a bit, the pictures there. But but when you think about what the devil is really trying to do, he's trying to distort the way you see things. He does not want you to see truth. He wants you to see half-truth. He wants you to see a a, a full-out lie, but he does not want you to see the full truth. God Now, God and the devil are concerned with how you see things just for different reasons. Uh, God is concerned with how you view things, absolutely concerned with how you view things. He wants you to see things through the truth, but the devil wants you to see things through lies. And so the devil is trying to distort, get this, he's trying to distort how you see the word of God. How can people believe some of these doctrines that are out there? You ever ask that? Like, like how can someone, and because you think about some of these people that I believe a lot of people in these churches that that we would not agree with hardly about anything, whether it be Mormonism or Scientology or Christian science or Jehovah's Witnesses, and and I think think a lot of those people are genuinely sincere. I think they really do, Uh, many of them, want to know God and want to seek God. They just got the wrong message, They just got someone that came to them that had a distorted view of Scripture because you know there's a lot of even Christians that know enough truth to get themselves in trouble. They'll spout something and not even know why they say it. So that's true for other religions as well and cults and things like that. How do people worship Mary? I don't get it. How how do you worship Mary and read the Ten Commandments? How how do you uh, uh, not only worship Mary, how do you believe in Calvinism? That God chooses who goes to heaven and hell. How do you believe that and read scripture? How do you not believe there is a hell? You know, Jehovah's Witnesses and other people, how do you believe there is no hell if you've read scripture? Why? Because their views have been distorted. The, The devil has taken the Bible in their mind and just changed it. And that's what he's wanting to do to you as well. Now, I won't take the time to go there, but Galatians chapter one, Paul was telling the church of Galatians, look, if any other angel come to you and preach any gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He says, so even if an angel comes down to you and you see a bright light and you see this angelic being coming down and he says anything other than what we have told you according to the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ, he said, you let that thing be accursed. And yet we have religions that are based upon an angel coming to a person, Moroni coming to Joseph Smith in the Mormon religion, and oh, he saw this great vision. No, the Bible says let him be accursed. He addressed that a long time ago. And Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 talks about beware lest any man spoil you through vain philosophy and deceit. You know, there's a lot of philosophy, a lot of teaching out there that is meant simply to just spoil you. Why are there so many different religions? Like, why can't we just, eat, eat? Why, why is that? Why are there so many different Bibles? Why are there so many different everything? The devil's just trying to confuse you. He doesn't care if you believe any other scripture or any other religion, just as long as you don't believe the right one. It's a confusion tactic. You just bombard someone with information. You just bombard, and that's what the devil has done. He distorts our view of the consequences of sin. He distorts our view of the consequences of sin. He he told them, he told Adam and Eve all the good things. You know, hey, God knows you're going to be a God. And that you're going to know good and evil like him. And, and, uh, you know, don't you want to do that? He forgot to mention the spiritual death. He forgot to mention they're kicked out of the garden. And every single person that comes after them will be born in sin. He forgot to mention that part. He distorts the view. He distorts the view, never mentions the bad. We'll talk about that again in a minute. So number one, he will try to distort our view. Number two, he will try to make us doubt. He will try to make us doubt. Notice there, he says in verse one, yea, hath God said, did God really say? And then he says there, "Uh, you shall not surely die. What does that mean? He's saying God is wrong. You won't won't surely die. You're not going to die. Did God really say you can't eat of, of this stuff, even of that tree? What? He's casting doubt. He's casting doubt on there. Doubt, to me, seems to be the primary weapon of the devil. Lies, lies, of course, but doubt. Why is he trying to make everybody doubt? The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Why is doubt so powerful? Write this in if you would. Because it is the opposite of faith. Doubt is powerful because it is the opposite of faith. Think about how powerful your faith is. Jesus said, you have faith, you can move mountains. So think about how powerful doubt is, how destructive doubt can be. So if that's true, then the opposite is true as well. But the Bible says that faith is able to help us quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All of them, all those arrows the devil lobs at you and shoots at you. Faith is the answer. That's why God God is so wise. He's told us already, walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. All of these things. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's the currency. We have to live by faith. But the devil will try to make you doubt. What are or what were the fiery darts of doubt that we're talking about here in this passage? Notice that he casts doubt on God's goodness. He casts doubt on God's goodness. Yea, hath, hath God said, ye Shall not eat of every tree of this garden? Oh, there, there's, there's one you can't eat of? So at first he's like, you can't eat of any of them? Well, no, it's just this one. Wait, you can't eat of that one? You know, if, if God's so good, why wouldn't he let you eat of all these wonderful trees? If God's so great, why wouldn't he want you to be like him? Why wouldn't he want you to be a God like him? If he loved you, he'd want you to be like him. He's, he's subtly, subtly manipulating and causing Eve to doubt the goodness of God. There was a Christian organization that did a uh, conducted a survey through the Barna Group, and they asked this question to all these random people. If you could ask God only one question, and you knew he would give you an answer, what would you ask him? And by and large, the number one response running away is, I would ask him why he lets there be pain and suffering in the world. What is that? What, now, I think the Bible has answers to that. I, I absolutely do. But I'll tell you this. What is that really coming from? It's coming from the devil saying, you need to doubt his goodness. You need to doubt his goodness. So the devil, he, he's trying to cast out on, on the goodness of God. But secondly, he, he casts out on God's word. Is that what God really said? Did God, did God really say, you can't eat of those trees? Did God tell you you would die? Man, that's not true. You won't die. He's casting doubt on God's word. And how many times nowadays do we doubt God's word? Be, and, and we're just as guilty as Adam and Eve. We doubt that God can do something when he plainly says it in scripture. Anytime we doubt what God has said or what God can do, we need to recognize where that doubt came from. God didn't give us doubt. God said, walk by faith. He created the heavens. He created the world, the universe. And He says, hey, if you just have faith, nothing's impossible because you have served an impossible uh, miracle working God. So anytime you're doubting God's goodness, you're doubting God's word, you're doubting God's ability, recognize where that doubt's coming from. Well, can God really get me through this? Can God do this? Can God do that? Yeah, He can. Doubt is coming from the devil. And uh, so, number three here, he casts doubt on God's plan. He casts doubt on God's plan. First, he says, you can't eat of any tree? Then he says, you're not going to die. What are you, what are you saying? He's saying God's plan is no good. God's plan is no good. He knows if you eat that tree, you'll be just like him. You'll be, like a, you'll be a God knowing good and evil. But he's told you not to do it. That's not a good plan. You should eat the tree. You should eat the tree. That's a better plan. That's what the devil's saying. And oftentimes, we doubt God's plan too. We doubt that God really knows what he's doing when a trial comes. Many people get bitter at God. They get upset. They blame God. And uh, uh, what we're doing is we're, we're doubting that God, first of all, knows what he's doing, but secondly, can work all things together for good. We, we're doubting that. And wh- who, who is trying to get you to doubt your God, to get you to doubt your Father? Man, I tell you, the devil is working overtime to tell you that Christianity doesn't work. The Bible's not true. It's an antiquated book. You know. it's to be, it's, it should be in a museum and study in, in, in class as, as literature or poetry, not as a book to be lived and, and obeyed. He's constantly trying to get us to doubt. He, he'll use your coworkers to try to get you to doubt, to try to doubt his word, just to, just to throw a kernel of doubt your way. Do you really believe that book? Really? I used to be, I used to be a Christian, but man, I, my eyes were opened about some things. You hear people say that kind of stuff? Were, they were, you mean they were closed when you were a Christian? You should have opened them when you were a Christian then. What are you talking about? You know? Or he'll use family members. He'll, he'll use anybody to just put a little kernel of doubt into your heart and into your mind about God's plan for your life, about how God does things, about God's word, about God's goodness. So he's going to try to distort your view. What, doesn't want you to see things the way God does. He will try to make you doubt, but thirdly, he'll draw your attention. He'll try to draw our attention. He does this in three ways. He draws, first of all, he draws attention to the one thing you cannot have. He draws your attention to the one thing you cannot have. Eve, you can eat all these trees, right? I don't know. know, We can eat all these trees except for that one. You can't have that. What's wrong with that one? You know, you're not gonna die. It'll, It'll be good for you. All he's doing there is really, and he's doing a lot in these scripture verses. There's a lot here to unpack. He's using manipulation and lies and all this kind of stuff, but he's really pointing out the one thing, the one thing in the whole garden that they cannot do. The one thing in the entire place that Adam and Eve cannot do was the one thing the devil focused on. I wonder how many times our teenagers in in our church have focused on the one thing your parents won't let you do. You, you, you get a Christian school, you get a good environment, you get parents that love you, you get to come to a good church that preaches the truth, you get to go to youth conferences and camps and activities and all this kind of stuff, but you're upset that you can't play that mature video game? And you're upset that you can't get that, that cell phone or you can't get that, or you, you can't date that person or you can't do this or that? Spoiled. I would say spoiled brats, but I don't want to call your children names. I'll just call my children names, Okay. No, but, uh, but uh, can we be honest? It's not just teens that do this, it's us too. Us too. We look at the one thing we cannot do. We see all the blessings of God, we ask, well, why can't I wear that? All the blessings God is giving. All the Christian liberty that I have in Christ, but, but I can't watch this, and I can't go here, and I can't listen to this, and I can't do what I want. I can't go to this concert for whoever. And, and, and we make these little statements as if we're, we're sacrificing so much for God. Oh, I just can't believe I have to act like this as a Christian. You're so blessed. I am so blessed. I would not trade what I have for anything. And yet sometimes we're all guilty of it. We look at that one thing we're not allowed to do. Because the pastor's going to preach on it. Or whatever. Or the Bible says you get not so That one thing. I don't know what your one thing is. Mine's probably different than yours. But uh, that, that's what the devil's doing. He's drawing your attention to that one thing you don't have, that one thing you can't have. What else does he do? He draws attention to the attractiveness of sin. I don't have time to turn there, but, but James chapter number one, he talks about there that every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And, uh, and sin, uh, when it's finished bringing forth death, and there's that whole passage there about let no man say when he was tempted, he's tempted of God and all that. What he's talking there about is it, it, the enticement to sin. Now, think about this with me here. He, what I'm saying is he makes sin look good. The word enticed means lured into sin or seduced. Lures have to be attractive to the animals, they have to look good for the animal to want it. And so, what does the devil do with sin? He shows you the attractiveness of sin. You see the shiny lure, but you miss the hook. And then you get into that relationship, and uh, it, it dies away, and then there's the hook. And you get into that type of lifestyle, and then it dies away, and then there's the hook. You get into that music, and then there's the hook that follows, and on and on and on. There's always a hook when it comes to sin, Ever message i'm working on regards to that so uh the, i just kind of gave it away there but but he draws attention to how good sin looks and let's be honest sometimes sin looks very good can we be honest sometimes sin feels good you ever lose your temper and blow up and it felt good no one wants to say yes but we all have okay and, and, and but then later on there's the remorse and later on there's the oh you really hurt somebody or you really did, and now you got to go apologize. You got to eat crow. You got to humble yourself. All of that kind of stuff. There is there, sin does at the moment feel good. I'm sure, and I don't mean to be weird by saying this. I'm sure that that illegal drugs probably feel really good, or else people would not do them. But there's a hook. Oh, there's no hook. Uh, go to our homeless encampments around the area. There's a hook, and it's not every homeless person. I'm not categorizing them that way. He draws attention to the attractiveness of sin. Now let her see there. He distracts our attention away from the devastation and punishment of sin. So he's drawing our attention. He's saying, "Hey, look over here. This is the one thing God won't let you have. God doesn't want you to be happy." They say, "But look what I have for you. Look at how shiny and beautiful this is. You know you want this. Tonight you will be bombarded by teenagers selling chocolate. And they will say, look at how good this is. And they will look devilish like Josh Johnson. And they will come to you. I'm just kidding. Josh has hit me up like four times, so I owe him money now. I'm just like promising him, yes, okay. But, uh, but no, But the, you, you're, you're going to be faced with that temptation. But, but no, the devil is, is drawing your attention to what God will not let you have and drawing your attention to what he will let you have. You can have this over here with me. I know uh, so many times I've heard of people that are divorced, and I grew up in a youth department with, with several people, several teenagers that were my age, and they had a mom and a dad that had split. The dad stayed in church. The mom moved out to Arizona, actually, and did not stay in church. And the mom would call them and say, hey, come live with me. I'll let you do this. 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 Everything the dad was against, and, was, and they were both against raising them in church, the mom said, hey, if you come live with me and ditch your dad, I'll let you do this and this and this. You just got to tell the court that you want to live with me that was pretty wicked to me that was pretty devious to me but uh, that was a great temptation thankfully those ladies stayed stayed where they were and, and were raised right but but the devil is distracting us you see we see this you, you, you know the, he'll show you the alcohol the advertisement but he doesn't show you the hangover he doesn't show you the cirrhosis of the liver he'll show you the marijuana advertisements but he doesn't show you the brain damage or the buzz driving or the gateway to the worst drugs See, the devil's like a magician. You ever watch a good magician? I like magicians. Um, I, not those that pretend to actually have magical powers, because that's just ridiculous. But, but I do like a good magician. And the greatest tool of magicians, you know what it is? Misdirection. You said it. Watch this. No, I'm just kidding. I have nothing. Right? It would be cool if I was like a card over here, you know, or something. But uh, that would have gotten your attention. But, he's, but that's what he is. He's, he is a master at misdirection. Look at what God doesn't want you to have. Look at what I want you to have. Don't look at the sin, though. Don't look at the punishment. Don't look at the devastation. Don't look in the gutter. Hey, don't look at the rehab clinics. Don't look over there. Stay right here with me. You know you want this. Misdirection. That is what he's doing. Can we wake up to the wiles of the devil a little bit? Can we not be ignorant of his devices a little bit? I think it'd be a great thing if we just woke up to some of this stuff. Number four, I'll go quickly. He will try to damage your relationship with God. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. Look at verse 23 and 24. I'll just read it. He says, Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to the ground from whence he was, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the in, east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the tree of life. He said, Hey, he put angels there to stop them from coming back. He drove Adam out because of the sin. Adam and Eve's relationship with God sustained irreparable damage. Irreparable damage. How do you say? What do you mean, Pastor? Because they were never able to go back to the way things were. Now the great thing is that they could trust in Christ and actually go to to heaven and not just Eden. But but there there were no more walks in the garden with God for Adam and Eve. They knew what perfection felt like, and then he had to go till the ground. Think about that one for a minute. Uh, uh, you know, he he knew what it felt like to work and labor in the garden, and not be tired. And not have the sweat of his brow and not be uh, the, the thorns when he bent down and, and worked, not have the back pain, which goodness, I've been going through for about a month now. Pray for me. But anyway, the back pain, he, 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 did, he knew what that he, he knew what it was like not to have any of that. And then he walks outside the garden, and he's like, oh, yeah, can you imagine? Things were not the same after that because of their sin. That's what sin does, it damages relationships. Please keep that in mind. Sin, well, it's a secret thing. It still is damaging. You don't control the consequences. We have to recognize that. We have to repent and get the closeness restored because the devil is trying to damage that relationship. Lastly, he will try to destroy your life. He's going to distort your view of things. He's going to try to make you doubt God. He's going to draw your attention to what he wants you to see. He's going to try to damage your relationship with God. And tell you that God doesn't love you and God doesn't want to talk to you anymore. And God could never use you because you're worthless and God, blah, blah, blah. And he'll tell you all the things about God that aren't true. That's what he'll do. And then he'll try to also just destroy your life. This destruction that he seeks is a physical one, but it is also a spiritual one. He he has destroyed countless lives from the beginning. Think about this. He got Adam and Eve killed. You ever think about that? They weren't going to die. They weren't going to die. They died spiritually and then physically. He got them killed. The Bible says that he is a murderer from the beginning. In fact, everyone who has ever died, who killed him? Who caused it? The devil caused it. John 8, year of your father the devil and the lusts or the desires of your father. You will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own for he's a liar and the father of it. He's a murderer from the beginning. What does that mean? Who did he murder? Adam and Eve. All of us. In in a sense, right? He caused the spiritual death, but that brought the physical death. The greatest destruction, though, is spiritual destruction. And every person that is in hell today or will be in hell in the future is there because the devil first sinned with pride in his heart. That's why. Now, I want to end with this. I thank you for your attention. I know many of you're tired, you had a long day. Let me end with this and we'll be done. Even though we sin and damage our relationship with the Lord, I'm thankful that God is merciful. I want you to look at one verse with me. Look at verse number 21 of chapter 3 and we'll end. He sends Adam and Eve out. But look at verse 21. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. You know what that is? That's a picture. That's a picture in Scripture. As the animals are slain and the blood flows and the animal is paying the price to cover man. This is a picture, if you'll write it in, of the lamb that was slain, capital L. Lamb that was slain and the blood that was shed to cover our sins. Jesus Christ. Even in the garden. By the way, he referenced Jesus earlier in verse 15 about the victory that Jesus would have over the devil. But then, even though he's ushering man and woman out of the garden, he says, but you know what? I'm going to clothe you, and in a picture, I'm going to let you know that one day there's going to be a redeemer that comes. And shed his blood. To cover the sins of everybody that is affected by your sin i think that's an amazing picture i think it's a beautiful thing let's not be ignorant that's the last blank let's not be ignorant of his devices let's be on guard be on guard don't be ignorant of what the devil wants to do you know don't let him distort your view of god don't let him make you doubt Don't let him draw your attention to what God will not let you do and draw your attention to what he wants you to do and then distract you from the, the punishment of it. The last verse on your sheet there, 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The next verse says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. And I wonder today, as some of you have just been looking at some stuff and thinking, God won't let me have this? It's the one thing I'm asking for. Why won't you let me have it? Or maybe you're looking at something the devil says you shouldn't have, you should have this, you should want this, and God is saying, No, you shouldn't have that. And maybe you're looking at some things and you're wanting some things and you've been enticed by some things, and the devil is distorting your view. Maybe you're doubting that God cares about you, doubting that God's goodness. I don't know what it is, but let's be aware and let's be wise. About the wiles of the devil, Father, I pray tonight that you would help us to have some wisdom here. God, I pray that you'd help us not to not to be a